so good to be here at the Pentecostal Church of Harvey. My second favorite church. My second favorite location. We'll say it that way. No, it's so good to be here today, and I'm so excited to be a part of the service. And if, if those of you that are standing, you may be seated. I really felt uh, during, during worship, and I was just kind of thinking, we should just let it go. God's got it. But then God put me in check and said, we're preparing for what's going to happen. We're preparing it today. And I feel like looking around during worship and seeing everyone crying out and worshiping like we were, I do feel that we are, as a church, on the brink of doing something absolutely amazing. And I felt so strongly to, to preach this message today. And it's, it's a message about evangelizing. It's a, it's a message about breaking barriers and making changes and doing things that we're not used to doing. And so tonight I would like to just speak about these two men that did extraordinary works. That did things for God. They, they had to conquer some things. They had to go through some things. And I believe that these are still situations and still issues that we go through even today. So making life decisions that will alter generations. And I still that we are still in that place to alter this generation. If you do have your Bibles today, I would like us to open up to Acts chapter 7 verse 58. You'll be familiar with the first individual that we'll be speaking about right now. And cast, they casted him out into the city and they stoned him. And the witness laid down their clothes at the young man's feet whose name was Saul. And they stoned Stephen calling upon God saying, Lord, Jesus, receive my spirit. And we go into chapter 8 and it says, and Saul was consenting unto his death. And at this time, there was a great persecution against the church, which was in Jerusalem and that was in the regions of Judea and Samaria, except for the apostles. And, and devoted men carried Stephen to his burial and made great lamentations over him. But this is what Saul was doing. It says, as for Saul, he made havoc of the church, entering into every single house hailing men and women and committing them to prison. Saul is who I want to talk about just for a moment because I feel that we need to see this side of the story. See, Saul was living the absolute opposite of what Paul was. I mean, it couldn't be more of a complete opposite, 180 of a change. He was living not in the will of God, but way, way out of the will of God. So this was his life before God. This was his life before he understood the transformation that he needed. This is one of the most compelling stories that illustrates the boundless mercies of our God. So many times we think that we're too far off to, for God to do anything for us. We just see what, what Saul's going through and what he did throughout his life. He was a persecutor of the early church. He thought he was making a difference in what he was doing. And then he had radical change on, this, on the road to Damascus. On this event that altered his life and profoundly not only impacted his life, but impacted the rest of society and the rest of history of Christianity today. 
See, Saul had zeal. He was feared. Not many people really wanted to be around him. He probably felt extremely uncomfortable if you even just seen him walking up the streets because of all the actions that he has done, because his goal was to eliminate. His goal was to destroy. As we see is the role that he was there when Stephen was stoned to death. People knew exactly who Saul was. See, I look at Saul's life, and I, I begin to study it out and begin to read about it, and we just see he's misguided. He sees a purpose in his life. But he takes action in his own will. He takes action in his own heart. So he didn't understand that he was doing anything wrong. He thought what he was doing had a purpose. He didn't know he needed a renewal. He he didn't know he needed a transformation in his life. So much confusion was in his mind. So many times, us as Christians and us that are just trying to do the best we can, we can get caught up in that same confusion. Thinking, I'm doing everything right. I'm doing exactly what I'm supposed to do. And you think you're on the right path. You think you're in the, you're, you're in the will of something. But you keep feeling like, I'm missing it. It just doesn't seem like it's accomplishing much. And it's because we're not in the will of God. It might seem like you have a purpose. It might seem like you're accomplishing something, but it's never going anywhere. See, that we read that Saul was known for his zeal and his, his toughness, but he was also known for being feared among all, around the, all the people around him. He was doing things that he thought were right, but he was not doing the things of God. I'm not standing here today saying that we have some souls in this room. I don't think we do, and I pray that if we do, we're going to believe it right now that it's going to be changed today. But that's not what I'm saying. But what I am saying is I feel that maybe some of us feel like we're, we have a purpose and we're moving forward in it, but it just doesn't seem like it's accomplishing anything. And it might just be that you're a little confused on what you are doing and you're not allowing God to be in the center of what you're trying to do. See, Saul, instead of denouncing Christians and eliminating Christians, he was designed to bring them together. He was called to be an impact in the church instead of eliminating the church. He thought he was doing right. He thought he was doing what he was supposed to do by trying to kill it out when God was saying, you're supposed to revive it. You're supposed to bring it together. He was raising havoc. I love that the scripture uses that word because he is not Someone that was made up of love. He was not someone, he was not the man of peace, but he was the man of destruction and he was there to destroy. He was running through homes. He was trying to end all that believed in Jesus. He thought he was doing what he was supposed to do. To think that is the same individual that we know as Paul is still mind-boggling. But that's the God that we serve. That's who we have in our lives. But here's where I want to talk to us a little bit. Some of us might think, well, I'm telling, if I didn't say Saul and I just began to tell you this man that did all these things, you would sit there and think with your own human minds, that guy is too far gone. He, that, that individual, I don't know who he's talking about, but they will never be able to get out of that situation. 
If you don't feel like that would cross your mind, I'm pretty sure you might be lying. Because there's so many times that we could see somebody and they're so far out there, we might think, man, it's going to be impossible to reach them. We're never going to be able to get a hold of them. We're never going to be able to have God change them. But that's not at all what God sees. God does not see someone that is too far off and untouchable. But God sees something precious in every single one of us. He doesn't see that you're too far off. He he doesn't say that you're a lost cause. No, he says, come back to my house. We don't serve the world, but we serve our God. And he is saying, when you serve the world, they're going to reject you. They're going to call you names. They're going to look at you in disgust. But when we turn to him, he is saying, I still see purpose. I still see a calling. Don't let anyone ever think that you are on, you're too far off because of what you have done in your past. Doesn't matter. God sees what he sees ahead of you. Stop looking behind you. I don't care if you woke up this morning and sinned. I don't care if you sinned on your way to church. Don't let that dictate that God can make a change in your life today. We need to have that mindset that God sees us for his kingdom. That he sees every single one of us. If we can breathe this air, he says, I have a purpose for you. God still had a vision for Saul. We see in Acts chapter 9 verse 3. And as he journeyed, he came near Damascus and suddenly there shined around him a light from heaven. And it fell to the earth and he heard a voice saying unto him, Saul, Saul, why you persecutest me? And he said, who art thou, Lord? And he said, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuted. Is it hard for you to kick against the goats? And he trembled, and he was astonished and said, Lord, what will you have me do? And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the city, and you shall be told what you must do. This was such a pivotal moment. Think about it. This was a man that was willing and he he knew, I'm going to get somebody. If you believe in Jesus, you're going to jail. If you believe in Jesus, you're being persecuted. You believe in this, you believe, I'm going to take you away because it's wrong. He had an encounter with God in that moment. And he said, Lord, what shall I do? What difference shall I make? And he gave him direction. Hear me today, this was a man that was persecuting Christians, a man that hated people that loved who Jesus was, and God said, come, I will give you direction. We see he's too far off. God says, I see a purpose. I see a will. I see a way. In those moments, we need to understand that we cannot judge. We cannot look and say, I can't reach them. God said, arise and go to this place. I believe that God can speak to anybody at any time just as he did in the book of Acts. This isn't just a story that happened that we'll never see again. But these are stories and and encounters that can happen every single day. So God leads him. He guides him. He tells him where to go. 
and he pushes him to go to the city. And then we see in chapter 9, verse 10, this is where we get to our second individual. And there was a certain disciple in Damascus named Ananias. And to him said, Lord, in a vision, Ananias, and he said, Behold, I am here, Lord. And the Lord said unto him, Arise and go into the streets, which is called Straight, and inquire into the house of Judas, and one called Saul of Taurus. For behold, he prayeth. God heard Saul's prayer. God heard his prayer and knew who he needed to send. He said I, he had seen a vision of a man named Ananias coming in and putting his hand on him that he might receive his sight. His reaction, think about it, this is Ananias' reaction in verse 13 is what our reaction might have been. And then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard by many of this man how much evil he has done to thy saints in Jerusalem. We would go to the same mindset Jesus, you're telling me to go to the man that wants to kill us, that wants to persecute us, the one that's, that hates us. He had that mindset. He questioned God in that moment. That's how bad this dude was. This is how far off the world looked at him as. Almost without hesitation, he reminds God, I've heard nothing but horrible things about this man. He was hesitant. He was afraid. He was worried. He questions God's request. How many times have we questioned God? God, you want me to do what? You want me to go where? Are you crazy? Why on earth would I do that? It's just exactly what Ananias was doing. You want me to talk to who? Haven't you heard what he has done? God's going, yes. I've heard what he has done, but he prayed. See, we might look at somebody come to an altar that looks like Saul, and we see them pray, and we're still going to have that mindset, but has he changed? We can't have that mindset. Because, no, he's not doing exactly what we're all doing. He's not running the aisles and speaking in tongues. No, he's just whispering a prayer, and we think that's not enough. Do you not know what he was doing to all those cities, all the havoc that he was causing? He was ripping families apart. And God says, but he prayed. But he prayed. Church, Ananias does the right thing. He, I'm not sitting here saying he does the wrong thing, but he had this moment of questioning God. Why? Because he doesn't look like the normal person we would talk to. He doesn't look like the person that we're used to teaching. This doesn't look like somebody that I would want to teach a Bible study to. Is it too crazy to think that that's the way we think today? That we look at somebody and say, God, why would I can't talk to that individual? They don't look the way I look. They don't act the way I act. They don't talk the way I talk. I don't know if this is just for me or for all of us, but we need to stop looking for the perfect lost soul. 
We need to stop finding perfection in the lost. That doesn't even make sense. That is an absolute oxymoron, but that is something that we consume our minds with. They don't look like somebody I want to talk to, so I'm not going to reach out to them. There's going to be moments when you're going to meet people that don't look like you, that don't dress like you, that don't talk like you. But guess what, guys? They prayed. They prayed to God for an answer. Yes, they might still have holes from the drug needles in their hands. They might still reek of alcohol. But guess what, guys? They prayed. We can't question what God is sending our way because they don't look like us. We can't question what God is doing. God is saying, listen, they prayed for a church. They prayed for an individual. And maybe some of us are standing here today like Ananias and saying, God, I don't know if I can do it. But just remember in your mind when you see them walk through these doors, they must have prayed. They must have spoke, had a conversation with God. They might have felt something. I love the stories, and I don't know who. I can't name names, and, but I, I've heard it before where people would just drive by on 164th or Lathrop or Halstead, and they said, I just felt something and decided to walk through those doors. That's praying. That's connecting with God. And if we sit here and think they don't look like enough for us to talk to them, and they don't look the part, then we're not going to witness to them. Then we are missing all of what God is trying to do. I've been in this church long enough to know that we want to strive to be better at evangelism. We have to be better at it. we got to stop looking for the perfect lost person. And just start looking for the lost. We need to have the mindset of getting hungry, of going looking around, man. We need somebody else that needs our life changed. We're not trying to just fill these seats. We're trying to fill heaven today. God is wanting to transform lives that are within the block radius of this church. But we have to be willing to start looking for the lost. Stop looking for a good conversation. Stop looking for someone to be your next best friend. Then start looking for someone that is looking for Jesus. Because this is what happens. Saul prayed. God answered. Ananias prayed. God answered. He gave two completely different people direction. And guess what? They meet in verse 17. And Ananias went in his way and entered into the house, just like Jesus said. You're going to go into the house and you're going to put your hands on him. And he looked at him and he said, Brother Saul, the Lord, even Jesus that appeared unto you, cameth and sent me for thy the received for you to receive thy sight and to be filled with the Holy Ghost. And immediately fell from his eyes what were like scales, and he received his sight, and he arose and he was baptized. And when he had received the meat, he was strengthened, for he hasn't eaten in three days, three to four days. And then Saul, certain days with the disciples. So now he gets to spend time with the disciples. The one that was ripping people out of the houses. The one that was condemning people to prison and death. 
the same man now was eating and breaking bread with the disciples because he prayed, because Ananias prayed. Now, see, we see this story, and it's exciting to see what happens in that moment. But what would have happened if just one of those didn't follow after God? What if Ananias was too afraid to even attempt to speak to Saul? Saul would have thought God wasn't trustworthy. Saul would have realized that God wasn't what he needed because God spoke to me and it didn't happen. He would have went to the city expecting a man to come lay his hand on his head and the man would have never showed up if Ananias decided he was too afraid. But because he was not, because he trusted the Lord, and because he wasn't looking for a perfect person, this is what happens in the very next verse in verse 20. And straight away, he preached to Christ in the synagogues that he is the Son of God. Saul, the one that was persecuting, the one that was ripping people out of homes, stood on a pulpit just like this and said, he is the King, he is the Almighty, he is the salvation. We don't know who they are going to be. We don't know what God's called them to do, but we can't just judge them because they look like they're trying. We can't just sit there and say they're not doing enough. God is saying, just let me do my work and trust what I am doing, for they have prayed for an opportunity, for they have prayed for a door to be opened. And just like Saul, his door began to open up. He began to do so much for God because Ananias was allowing God to speak through him and Saul was allowed to allow God to speak through him and they were able to come together. This is what it looks like when we begin to put our trust in God. We need to not be afraid to have God use us. We cannot hesitate for God to direct us, to begin to show us where we need to go. And I want you to know that it's okay if you go up to somebody and you're excited, you feel that fire, and you begin to witness to somebody. Talk to Brother Ron. He's, he's got the best examples of it. When you speak to somebody and they just don't want to hear it, Brother Ron will say, they didn't want it. Well, what do you want? That's the, that's the mindset that we need to have, not just as Brother Ron, but as the Pentecostal church. We need to be able to say, who needs it? Who wants to hear what the Word of God has to say? People are looking for revelation. People are looking for testimonies so they can see that wow, God is real. God is here. He loves me. He cares about me. I'm sitting here preaching this to a, to a congregation that knows who he is. But there's people out there that don't know that there's a God that loves them so much. That cares so much. He doesn't look at all the faults, but he sees all the good. We cannot hesitate to begin to reach out. We cannot hesitate to begin to be the ones that are speaking into people's lives. Allow God to have people enter into your life. I always say, I'm not expecting anybody to go to the store and begin to shake people and tell them Jesus loves them. I don't think that's the right way to do it. You might get a couple people that will respond to that. But you're probably going to get a lot of negative results. 
But let yourself be open to opportunities that can come your way in every area that you're at. In any moment, it doesn't matter where you're at. Just allow your heart to be open to what God can do because you don't know who the next Saul is going to be that's going to walk into your life. I believe that this church, I mean, it, it couldn't be more on the brinks of breaking through than I could even, even imagine. We have things that are happening in this church that are just not in this building that is happening in every single campus. We had our all-campus service a couple weeks ago, and Brother Ron was saying that, you know, if, we, if we're going to need a, a separate building, we're going to have to rent a building out. And what's so crazy, I almost feel that if we had 100% of the congregation from each of our church here, we, still, we wouldn't fit it, even two weeks ago. You can't sit here and look around and say, well, I don't see much happening. No, God is sending them souls to all the campuses. God is sending the lost souls to every one of these churches. Lives are absolutely being changed. The church is growing. Don't just get stuck in one spot. Realize that God is doing it all across Chicagoland, all across the all across northern Illinois. God is doing a work, and we cannot sit here and say he is not doing it. God sees potential in every single life. That is why we do what we do. That's why we try to expand out these four walls. Don't wait for Sunday. Don't wait for Thursday. Have church on Monday. Have church on Tuesday. What does that mean? I'm not telling you to bring a whole orchestra of music. No, I'm saying allow God to speak through you to be open to the lost. People are hungry. People are lost. You need to understand that people are excited to hear that God loves them. They're excited to just hear that one phrase, someone loves me. Someone cares about me. That is exactly probably how Saul was feeling. Because what did I say when Ananias said, don't you know that's the man that murdered? Don't you know that's the man of anger? He probably felt that every day. Everybody looking at him, condemning him, making him feel little. And then he heard the voice of God. God is speaking to the lost. God is speaking to those who are in danger. God is speaking to those who are hungry. But we have to be the church that allows God to use us, to say, God, use me. God, use me. Open up any door that you need to open. I don't care if, if I feel uncomfortable. I don't care if I don't feel if I, if I if I feel afraid or nervous. But God, allow me to have that moment. I would love to be able to see that moment when Ananias met Saul. Because think God told both of them in two separate times exactly what was gonna happen. That moment when Ananias laid his hand on Saul's head and said, Brother Saul. That moment when that hand touched Saul's head, he must have thought God said this was going to happen. God said this exact moment, things are going to be changing when a man lays his hand on my head. It takes two. It takes two. It takes someone of prayer. It takes someone of faith to know that God is not going to miss an opportunity to get somebody to this church or somebody to his kingdom. We can all stand. I truly do feel that we, we need to have this moment 
to God to use me in every single day moments. Stop waiting for one day a week. Stop waiting. You know, we have community groups. Don't, don't sit there and say, well, I got Sunday and, and every other Tuesday and every single Thursday. Stop waiting. Because there's somebody that you walk by. There's someone that might even started a conversation with you. And you might have thought, I'm too busy to deal with that. When God is saying, I'm trying to give you an opportunity. I'm trying to show you something today. That it was somebody crying out. That was somebody needing help. I want us to begin to have that mindset change in our lives. That when we wake up in the morning, God, I don't want to walk past somebody because I'm afraid. I don't want to walk past somebody because they don't look the part. I don't want to walk past somebody because they ain't perfect. Because if you think that, then you think you're perfect and you need to be in this altar anyways. God is wanting to build faith. God is wanting to build this church in so many different ways and so many different aspects that we are going to be able to be life game changers out there where things are going to just explode outside of these walls. We can't miss an opportunity of pastor being out of this church and think, well, when he gets back, we'll get back into that. When he gets back, then we'll get focused on the loss. No, I say when he gets back, we should say, look, pastor, we have 52 new people. We have this happening. We baptized 100 people. the, The revival has happened. I think it would be so amazing. I think it would be so amazing, not just to say we're doing it for pastor, but what we're saying is that we're doing it because of God. We're not waiting for him to come home, but we already know that he is here. God is here right now saying, why are you waiting? Why are you hesitating? I want to open up this altar today. And I want us to ask ourselves this question. God, what can I do? God, where can I go? Just like Saul asked, where do you need me to go? Where do you need me to be? And begin to allow God to direct you, to begin to allow him to move on you. And you just begin to say, God, wherever you need me, I will go. God, whatever you call me to do, I will do. Because I want to be able to do what you called me to do. We want to see the harvest come through those doors. This is what we have to do. We have to put ourselves to work and say, God, what do you need me to do? God, where do you need me to go?